And welcome back to another episode of the Goalpost. Coming at you live after a decent Monday night football with Bucks 17, Saints 6, and Tom Brady still has ridiculous comebacks left in the chamber, Patrick. Yeah, it, it was only decent really up until the last, what was it, five minutes, we'll say, when uh, it looked like the Saints had an opportunity to kind of go up by, uh, it'd be three scores if they got any sort of points, and then they were not able to take advantage, and then it was uh, it turned into the Tom Brady show out of out of absolute thin air. Just when you thought he was done, he's back again. You just can't get rid of Tom. Yeah, and I feel like everyone who was watching that game was waiting for that comeback to happen, and then it finally did, and we were all just rest assured that the same Tom Brady kind of still is in there. We know the Bucks are going to end up going to the playoffs because of this weak division, so I think that weirdly enough was a huge win for the bucks in the sense of giving some sort of confidence going into the playoffs that we have guys that can make plays i mean on that final drive mike evans was just glued to the ball and you couldn't stop that connection either way no it took a while for it to get going similar to just their entire offense i mean they they went they look they opened up really nice went down the field on their opening drive got to a first and goal I honestly thought they were going to get a touchdown on their opening drive, field goal, and then no points until uh, the three-minute mark left in the game. So that pretty it, insane. We, we were waiting. We were yeah. we were definitely waiting a while. That, like you said, it was a huge win for the Bucks actually because if they lose that to the Saints, the Saints go to one game behind them. I think they still have a, a bye to go, but it would have been. Uh, Five and seven Bucks team leading to a five and eight Falcons, and then a five and eight Saints, and then a four and nine Panthers, I believe. Yeah. So the Bucks needed that win because that now it definitely solidifies that they have won the NFC South. Yeah. It's really unfortunate that anyone has to win this division and they have to go represent the four seed in the NFC, which is just mind blowing to me. I think it's dragging the rest of the NFC down. Like the NFC has image problems as it is this season in terms of teams being frauds or not. Yeah. And them being a four seed doesn't help that. No, they're it's they're going to be at home in the playoffs. They're going to have a home playoff game and they might not finish above 500. It's so ridiculous. And, and you hate to be going to play Tom Brady at home. Like that's not an easy playoff matchup just on paper whether or not the Bucks play well, but the Bucks certainly still have a defense that can kind of be up there with the top defenses in the league when they're playing at their best, because this was kind of an early battle of defenses. Like as bad as the offenses looked, there was still plays on either side where you were kind of telling that there were certainly big defensive players in this game. Elante Taylor on the Saints looked great. He had eight solo tackles and that Bucks D still ended up getting stops when they needed it and set up that game-winning drive. Like, that game doesn't happen without them. So, yeah. So, I would say, first off, that the Saints did everything they could in their power to lose this game. Yes. Secondly, the Bucks' defense was the biggest reason why Tom Brady was able to have those two drives to go win the game. Everyone's so quick to give Tom Brady his flowers in this game when, through three quarters, I, I think... All of Twitter, all of social media was just bashing him. Just this guy divorced his wife for this, the blah, blah, blah. Everyone was down on him. Then he actually shows life for the first part of the entire game. 
and then everyone just is back on board with them. But I know what I saw in that game, and the Bucs are not a good football team. Tom Brady is not... How do I phrase this? I have to be very careful. Tom Brady is not what he used to be and is a shell of himself. Yeah, I think that's I think a good that, way to put it. Yeah, because a shell, a, a player in that point in the career still has their flashes of looking like an amazing player, especially when you're Tom Brady and being arguably the best quarterback of all time. When you do have your flashes, you're going to still look like an absolute superstar and just march down the field like he did. But I don't think that this defense is going to be bailing him out like that against really high-powered offenses like you're going to find in the playoffs. And then that shell of a quarterback then suddenly turns into three and outs in a big game. Yes, if Tom Brady's playing an NFC playoff team uh, last night, this they lose by three scores. Yeah, imagine and that being the Eagles. That, dangerous. To ca- so they're probably going to either play the Eagles or the Cowboys, whoever doesn't win the NFC East. Yeah, and it could be a double-digit spread in the first round of the playoffs. I would not be surprised. The Saints are just well. Actually, no. We'll we'll keep talking about the Bucks for a little bit more. I understand why Tom Brady kind of got his flowers. He he did. He's done everything a quarterback can do. But I think we just reality has to set in, and we kind of just have to realize that Tom Brady is not the same Tom Brady, and it's time for other quarterbacks to start getting more of the spotlight. When I mean. Tom had to throw the ball 36. Well, he threw it 54 times in the entire game for 36 completions. A 45 year old should not have to do that to win games. No, not at all. You're even seeing green Bay turn to obviously Aaron Rodgers was banged up, but they're turning to AJ Dillon and Aaron hunt because of that reason. Essentially, they don't want Rodgers throwing the ball 45 times in a game. Yeah, it's it's not you can't do that in the playoffs and expect to win games. You're gonna need to have a run game. They yeah, ha- I think they do. We've talked about like they do have a good defense. I don't think it's the best in the NFL, but it's it's you can win with this defense. I mean, I know the Saints aren't a good football team, not at all. But I mean, they didn't allow them. They kept them in the game the entire time. It never got more than two scores. In the second, it got to more than two scores. That game was over, but the the defense for the box was able to keep it with within two scores. And at the end of the day, Tom, Tom stepped up when he needed to and took care of business for the box and honestly just salvaged a, a ter- what could have been a terrible, terrible game for them. Totally. And that's the type of win that Brady gets when you have some sort of reputa- reputation as being a winner. Those are the sort of games that you do end up winning, but you're right. It's not without that help of the defense. Speaking of two scores, this is where we can turn on the Saints for a second. And this is a game where they had so many opportunities to cash in on chances. I mean, the last drive of the first half and the first drive of the second half, they both get within first field goal was in the red zone. The second was just outside and they're on fourth and one plays that they decide to kick field goals on both of them. It used to be the old homage about Patrick Mahomes. You don't beat the Chiefs with field goals, essentially. But you're not beating Tom Brady with field goals here either because they you have to go for that on one of those, I'm convinced. I I really don't hate those decisions. Like, I don't... I, I mean, I understand why you would want them to go for it. You just have nothing on the line in your Correct. season. Like, you're not playing... like. 
for anything really just show that they, they you kind of were life. though if yeah. they win that game they, that's the crazy part like we 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 know the saints are a bad football team we know this but somehow they they were playing meaningful game in december like that was a meaningful game for the saints i i don't like their head coach dennis allen he's he's done everything in his power to just not be good and not win games i i think where they really like Kicking those field goals isn't where they lost the game. I think a big play in that game was when uh, Mark Ingram just went out of bounds on that second down when he he could have. I know the clock doesn't stop until uh, like two minutes when you go out of bounds, but the first down was right there. He could have just fallen, got the first down, reset it downs, and there was I believe five minutes left in the game, five and change, and it was just he gets it out. They don't. He goes out of bounds, sorry, doesn't get the first. Then they ended up punting and uh that, that was the start of the downfall you had the pass interference on mike evans on the one yard line which just gave like that shortened their drive a ton saved them a bunch of time and yeah silly it's, mistakes it's that 44 yard penalty at the end it, it wasn't great clean football they're they're a weirdly coached team i i think so we've talked about how the the broncos are in a, in a terrible situation the saints are right there with them Absolutely. The, the, the lack of right there with of them. draft hope that the Saints have the right there kind of with the Rams as well. And it's abysmal. At least the Rams got a Super Bowl out of this. What did the Saints get? Saints got nothing. The Eagles have their first rounder. So that's the Eagles are going to be in contention for the Super Bowl and have a top 10 pick, which is they're sitting pretty right now. Dennis Allen and Nathaniel Hackett are the two first year head coaches that are on the hot seat, like Absolutely. you don't need to resign Dennis Allen. Like your team is probably better off without him than with him. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I just, think the Saints are a team that you got to keep your eye on. For and then the Jameis Winston, market. just sitting on the sideline, fully dressed. I, I mean, Andy Dalton actually played fine. He, he had actually, a couple. There were a couple fine. big dropped balls that actually yeah. weren't his fault, and I thought that he was accurate. I thought when they got Taysom in those gadget plays, they looked entertaining for bits of the game. But eventually, at the end of the day, the Saints team just doesn't really have an identity, and they don't have anything driving them forward, it seems like. No one, their, their defense, you know, caused two turnovers. It was, if you're if you're a Saints fan, you're so demoralized this morning, like waking up on Tuesday morning, you're just, what, how did we lose that game? Yeah, how, especially, how? and if you weren't a fan of either of these teams, there's probably a slim chance you even stayed up for the second half. I unfortunately did. Uh, I had a, a fantasy matchup that came down that decided on Tom Brady, and it was going so well for me. And then uh, it was it was t- 2010 Tom Brady out of nowhere. Yeah, who would have thought? But Tom's back in the cycle. Tom's back on top. But it'll be a matter of time to see what happens to this Bucks team, really. Yep, time will tell. And we're back now with a little NFL Week 13 recap. And we're starting where we started our preview with what we said was the most even matchup of the Sunday. Giants 20, Commanders 20. When we said that, we didn't really envision a tie per se. But this was a game where it was up and down all game in terms of who you thought really wanted to win this game. And then it led to an abysmal overtime where it looked like neither team wanted to win this game. Yeah, if any game was going to end up in a tie this weekend, this was the one. We talked about it before. They're they're pretty much the same team. 
that just they rely on their defense to keep them in the game and then they need their running backs to take a little bit of pressure off their quarterbacks pretty much and 2020 that that just makes sense for for these two teams to be playing against each other huge implications for both teams in this one so i guess a tie tie almost benefits them both like no one really loses here you don't you don't lose it, it pushes ground. them both a bit closer yes. yeah so i mean it's we'll, we'll talk about the game before we talk about the future tough beat if you had over 40 and a half really tough killer beat. It looked like they kind of forgot to play fo- how to play football. Like you said, it was just no team really wanted to win. Daniel Jones and Taylor Heineke both had pretty pretty solid games. I mean, not exceptional, but both good. And like Daniel Jones had 25 uh, completions for 200 yards, a touchdown, and ran 12 times for 71 yards, which we talked about before. If they get Saquon going, who... He wasn't exceptional, but he had a he had a fine game, uh, sixty three yards and a and a touchdown. Like that is when you can see the Giants being a being a competitive team when they get that going because then pressure's taken off Daniel Jones. Uh, Terry McLaurin got a nice touchdown. Finally, doesn't have many on the year over a hundred yards receiving. I yeah, just I think that was the weirdest thing about this game, and especially the overtime, is that it didn't start this way. The commander's offense looked dynamic to start the first half and then started to trail off kind of after some of those big Giants third down stops. And then the same thing kind of happened to the Giants where they began to warm into the game afterwards. And then suddenly we only get a touchdown apiece in the second half. For the Giants, it was their first drive of the half. For the commanders, it was essentially what was their last drive of the half except for that little one at the end. And you saw flashes of playoff-type attributes from both of these teams but nothing really close to that consistency that you're looking for. No, you you uh, you pointed to it there. There was there was kind of two collapses by both teams in this game. It was yeah, Commanders getting out to a thirteen nothing lead, tying it up. Then the Giants got it to twenty thirteen, and it the the Giants looked like the better team. I think in the second half, uh, I, it was basically they just had a terrible first quarter, and then they kind of just outplayed the Commanders up until when they needed to win the game the most. And then Heineke led that drive to tie the game. Yeah, uh, I think they showed off how good the receiver core is there. Just quick. The like huge yeah. catches from Samuel, a TD from Dotson. Like, that's what the commander's offense can be. Well, what we said that like, they're similar teams, but Washington has the better offense for sure. They have better weapons. Definitely. I think Heineke, I don't know. They're kind of similar quarterbacks too, man. Yeah. Like they're not great, they're not bad. They're just they're Jones a bit more athletic. Heineke makes a bit better decision making. It's it they're it interesting. They're in, they're the same team. I can't get yeah. it, but they're the same team because Washington really hasn't been able to unlock the full potential of all of these wide receivers. I think they almost have too many. Like I saw, they're using Curtis Samuel as a running back for a decent amount of the game. Yeah, it's they're tinkering around it. I think the commanders are still in a better position. These So the commanders have a bye now this week coming up, and then they come yep. back and play the Giants again at home. Which is double the importance that this game so now, is now. Yeah, so now that game is, is huge. Because if either team won this game, then it was just if that team wins the next one, then it's okay. They tied. But since because they, they tied this game, one team's going to get the leg up on the other. 
Yeah, and it's going to come down. It's just going to show true colors even further. Like, now that the stakes are even higher, that's essentially a playoff game when they come back and play again. I think this was a playoff game, too. Yeah. Yeah. This is the playoff junior. And the the Giants with a tough one coming up. Like, this week they're playing the Eagles. So, it's going to be that game... With the command, the Giants at the Commanders, it's a must win. I think the loser, I said it, it's funny because I said it going into this game, the loser's probably out of the playoffs and the winner's probably in, and then they tie. Yeah. So I think in the second battle between these two teams, that's the loser goes home. Yeah, and you have the Commanders now game planning essentially for two weeks for that after just playing them and seeing them. Meanwhile, the Giants have to go and get battered by the Eagles potentially and it, whether or not the score is drastic or not that's a tough game yeah and I, you gotta expect Chase Young will finally be back right like he wasn't it playing in this be. game their Has defense still looked great uh sack Jones five times actually both defense there's nine total sacks in this game mm-hmm. yeah not to discredit either defense because both no, are good in their own right it, and they both the strength had flashes of, of looking great yeah yeah yeah, I agree. So that'll be an interesting one to come back in two weeks to keep your eye on. And that brings us next to a team we just mentioned who essentially just put their nuts on the table. Eagles 35, Titans 10. And there's no other way to really put it. This was the best the Eagles have looked in a few weeks. And it was totally a resounding win to kind of let the rest of the NFC know what's up. Boy, was that an impressive win. I, yeah. I don't like... The score kind of looked close for a bit in the first half, but that game was never in question. Never no. in question. You could tell when the Eagles' first drive go down, and get a touchdown, and then they, uh, I believe they forced the Titans to either three and out or they only got one first down, then got them off the field. I, you knew, you kind of just knew right then and there it was, it was over. You got that vibe. Yeah. It was one of those vibes. It was, oh my goodness, the Eagles looked really good. I, yeah, Hurts finishes with 380, three passing touchdowns. A.J. Brown lights up his former team for 119 yards and two touchdowns and simply like just overpowered a Titans defense that had been kind of getting battered down the last few weeks. Yeah, there goes that streak of the holding your opponents to 20 yeah. or less. That is. is what a way to lose it. Like It wasn't even close. No. That was definitely an AJ Brown revenge game, and you could tell off his his reactions to getting both of those touchdowns. He's a I bit mean, much. He's a bit. I much. I don't like that stuff. It's it's maybe an old man screaming at the clouds kind of take, but yeah, kind of acts like you've done it before. I mean, I I get it on the first one. You know what I mean? Yeah, back to back forty yeah. yard touchdowns. The first one gets called back for a penalty. I thought that was cool. Yeah, and he's just he's kind of. He acts like it's his first touchdown. Every yeah, it's just like you're too good. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you're you're a top ten receiver in the league. You get this is not your first multi touchdown game of the year. You're act like you're good. It's one of those. It's, you should know who you are. And I think the timing of the 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 sorry not the Giants the Titans GM being fired today. Right after that game in the yeah. AJ Brown trade, I think there's no coincidence on the time. No, no, that's actually a good thing to point out because that was a game where he made it shown how good he is and how good it could have been versus a Titans offense. We've been following this trend for a few weeks of letting their team down 
and this was kind of another addition of that. It sounds harsh to say, but Ryan Tannehill finishes with 141 yards and a TD. Henry had 11 carries for 34 yards. I mean, that just can't fly. And it's those type of decisions that lead to offenses, you know, kind of like that, that get you fired as a GM. Yeah, the Eagles fans right outside the owner's box, like flipping them off, yeah, thanking them for for AJ Brown. I mean, Traylon Burks looks like he's going to be a good wide receiver in this league. Don't get me wrong, but scary hit too, man. Yeah, the one and done. You, you don't like to see the one and done. I mean, impressive that he held on to that ball. I I think his I hands were stunned. glued to it. It was insane. Yeah, I think he. I think he kind of. I'm I'm no medical doctor, but uh, I think he kind of went into that like fencing pose, and it was just and the ball was the ball not in. leaving. Yeah. yeah, it was one of those. It was like I'm no, I stuck. thought the same thing. Yeah, yeah. so so hopefully he's all right. But yeah, you're right. He, he does the look, field, which was good to see. He does look like he will be a player in this league and somebody who's going to be causing shit for the next few years for but, sure. But, but this team's in win now. I, I know. Don't that's the why most they thing their about best it. Wide receiver for draft capital, and then you just. It goes back to a couple episodes ago when we talked about uh, not willing GMs not willing to sign wide receivers to these big contracts and instead going to the draft to get them for cheaper. That's the other side of the coin. This is the this is the first example of why you should not do it. I mean, there's yeah. examples for, but this is the biggest one as to why you shouldn't do it. Man, the Eagles look like they can just do whatever they wanted out there against a good defense. Yeah, I feel like that's a, a warning signal to the rest of the NFC, really to the league. I think yeah. that the Eagles have gotten to that point where they're now considered to be a juggernaut just of an NFC, but of the league where people are now pe- penciling them in for Super Bowl matchups. And I think that if you're a team in the NFC, you have to kind of almost be like you're game planning for the Eagles. Like if you're thinking about the playoffs, like subconsciously, it's kind of turning into that where in the AFC, you're always thinking about the Chiefs at the end of the line, how am I going to beat Patrick Mahomes? They're turning into one of those teams. How the hell are we going to beat the Eagles? Yeah, and a lot of people were kind of bashing the Eagles' schedule, saying they haven't really played anyone. You play and who you play. So No, but like when they play the good teams, yeah. they need statement wins yeah. every single time. So the only real statement game they have left on their, on their schedule is at the Dallas Cowboys in three weeks, in two weeks, either or, but... I mean, that's the game. If both these teams continue on the on the path that they're going, that is going to be the game that decides the NFC East. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which will be interesting because it'll give some meaning to those late games. Like you never want to really see matchups like that with rested players or backups in. And I, I love when a little divisional, you know, chaos causes those games to have some meaning because that's what it's all about. Yeah. They, they play the Cowboys in week 16. So they'll, it'll be okay, full, yeah, yeah, full yeah, rosters yeah. ready to go. I, that's a I'm great excited. I mean, there's been a lot of kind of questions I think about the Eagles, whether they're legit or not. And I mean, they had like, they had a two game lull in the season when they lost to the commanders and then beat the Colts by one. And now it's, Right back on track. Because people will say they peaked too early, but that was, I think that was their dip. Yeah, I think that that was their dip, and it came at a good time. I remember hearing one of the Eagles players, I can't remember who it was, saying that they were kind of relieved that they lost so that they didn't have to hear about the undefeated season. I think it was A.J. Brown. Yeah, and then they go and get like a gritty win against the Colts, and then boom, like you're back to being Eat on the track. the Packers and, in a big yeah. one, and then 
it's they're just winning games and winning games like we we talked about um good offenses and the eagles just another four touchdown game for jalen hurts it yeah defenses are totally on watch now and there's some good nfc defenses which is enticing like the i i can't wait to see them against that dallas defense and that's going to be a great game so yeah, and I mean, we've seen them when they play a good defense. They do get, like, the Commanders, the great defense. Titans, like, yeah, but the Titans, they just... like yeah, I, I know, can't which makes they... this game even crazier because when you start thinking of good defenses, you're, the Titans come to mind, and then you just look at what happened. And talk, talking about the Titans for a little bit, this might be a game that... See, they're in a good position where they're going to be in the playoffs no matter what. In the AFC South, they're going to win that division. Yeah, so I think it's this is kind of like a a measuring stick game to kind of see where they are at. I know it's against an NFC opponent, but they played the Bengals last week, Eagles this week, so they kind of know where they at, where they are at, and what they need to do to be able to win these games in the playoffs. But I, I thought the Titans were going to be one of those teams like that were going to be. You don't want to play them in December yeah. and January, and. Now you might I, want to. I I might be wrong. They might just they might go as far as Derrick Henry goes, and that defense might. Yeah, like if you're the Bengals, inflated. You want to be playing the tight. Like if you're the Bengals right now, starting the playoffs today, and you said like, all right, you got to play the Titans again. I'm sure that's, you know, not they'll a be content matchup. with it. Yeah, they're yeah, not going to be yeah. worried. Moving along, we get to another matchup where we had prefaced it in our preview as being a possible Super Bowl matchup, and it's 49ers 33, Dolphins 17. And I'll get out in front and say this. I don't think the score was as bad as it really was. This was a game that was within reach for the Dolphins in the fourth. They were down 23-17. And I think that it's only so long until your mistakes in a game can catch up with you. And that just really showed today. And it was it wasn't a great Dolphins game. I, I think they deserve to lose. It 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 was tough because it started off so well for the Dolphins. Yeah, seventy five yard touchdown first to Trent play. Sherfield, first play of the game. It was electric. And, and then, then and then Garoppolo go getting injured for seven on third downs. Yeah, yeah. It, this... Garoppolo getting injured. There's a lot of storylines that came out of this game. You know, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, comes in and plays serviceable enough and showed that this 49ers offense kind of has enough weapons to do just fine. I don't think that's going to be maintainable going down the line here. Like, they need to clearly get some help in at quarterback there. But this defense, man, so good. So the 49ers defense is, without question, the best defense in the league. I think this Sunday separated it. Like it, yes, it's without a question now. Nick Bosa going up against a backup tackle. Just Man. it shouldn't be allowed. I think that's a form of bullying. He Three had sacks. And the strip sack to end the game. Like yeah. the in the third sack. Yeah. I I think he's the front runner for defense player of the year right now. He's he's in the backfield every single play. If you watch these games, a lot of people talk about Micah Parsons. Nick Bosa is is at the quarterback in two seconds, three seconds, every single play. They were trying to chip him with the tight end, was not working. He was just a man on a mission and he succeeded. Two yeah, it was the first two interceptions. On the one for sure, he had pressure with the you saw it was noticeable with the backup tackle. Yeah. The second one was 
the the underthrown ball that want. Hill can't yes. happen. Yeah, that can't happen. He had no pressure. He had nobody on Hill either. It was that that's a play that has to happen, and it's the first time this Mike McDaniel's offense has you know wavered really hard in having everybody in. Like this is to his first full time loss. Just wasn't accurate enough to win. There's those bad interceptions, kind of just some untimely errors, and he needs his tackles. I mean, it, it that was bad. That was really bad. Yeah, there, there's an easy spin zone for you here as a Dolphins fan. You didn't have either of your starting tackles, which is huge. Yeah. One, Taron Armstead is probably going to be a pro bowler. You you kind of needed this. This was like a reality check game. And yes. it came at the right time against a very good team and a very good defense. And it's similar to the to the Titans in a measuring stick game to see where they're at. Now Miami kind of has a feel. I know, again, it's an NFC team. But those are the teams that you're going to have to beat. And I think it's a reality check. Mike McDaniel, rookie head coach, Tua kind of first year being with pressure, really an expectation as a quarterback. Mm, so definitely it's it's in a way it's good for them in a way. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that you're right that it came in the right time of the season. It now puts them in a tiny bit of a tough spot and that they have to go play Chargers game on Sunday night football again. That's a game you just have to win. And then they play the Bills after that, and then Week 18 against the Jets. So that's the wake up call. Now you respond, you make changes accordingly, and you have to go forward here and get it go at the very least two and one. Yeah, you kind of have to beat the Chargers. Whatever happens against the Bills the week after happens, but I think the the big one is going to be on national television prime time against the Chargers. Uh. The Dolphins only ran the ball eight times. What what is that? Really weird game, especially after you go out and get Jeff Jeff Wilson. Like he barely touched the ball today. Yeah. And yeah, one attempt. Like that that was a bit of a head scratcher, I thought. I thought that, you know, if you're gonna go out and make those moves, especially against a 49ers offense or a 49ers defense that is so good in pass rushing, why are you not running the ball more? I thought that was a bit of a glaring issue about this game. That's kind of just what stood out to me the most. When I look at the Dolphins box scores, I was just Will or uh, Mostert seven attempts and Wilson Jr. one, and I was just yeah. I think getting burned on that yeah is another wake up call, and that hopefully you know Mike McDaniel's he's been he's been looking kind of like a man on fire in terms of his play calling the past I don't know six weeks. So yep, their offenses looked great. So I think that this is a wake up call for him as well, and. Uh, you know, you got to take your licks. Yeah, and looking at the 49ers, boy, is that is that just devastating. That Jimmy G just... Because Jimmy is... G's all you need for that team right now. All you yep. need is Jimmy G to make those passes when he needs to, hand off the ball properly, and be a Jimmy G quarterback. And just you know hit, what I mean? hit the receivers that'll do all the work for you, make these simple yes. passes, yards after catch, they're going to get them. It was... They were trending up so high. Like they were hitting their spot. You could tell, like, they're just winning games. Their defense looks as good as it ever has. The, the offense was clicking with McCaffrey. Yeah. It starts with Elijah Mitchell going down last week. Now Jimmy G this week. I mean, starting. Brock Purdy was okay. I mean, he was fine. I can't believe but he was you saw even... I know. I know. I thought he was great at Iowa State. He was, he was good. I mean, I know he had Brees Hall and those guys, but. Brock Purdy seems like he should be like a fifth round draft pick as a quarterback. I feel like 
GMs love taking Mr. Irrele- QBs with Mr. Irrelevance now. I'm just surprised he fell that late, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, I, there's other quarterbacks that were drafted in that draft that did not have the same college career that Brock Purdy did. I think his name got mentioned in uh, Davey O'Brien Awards before with, as the nation's best quarterback. But how's that for a poll? He's, dude, I Brock Purdy was fun. Iowa State used to be a fun team to watch, and now they're they're nothing without him. Yeah, it's it's sad that the 49ers are gonna have to do something and do something fast. Um, I think one you thing ride I with had, him. I, you think? Am I crazy? They picked up uh, what, Joe Johnson. Yeah, who's been I around the league I mean, the, forever. The, the thing is, everybody's going, "Oh, Baker, Baker, Baker," because no, Baker no, just got no. dropped. No, no, no is right. And he comes at a $13 million tag. So I don't think that the 49ers are taking a flyer on that. And the trade deadline's passed. I, I genuinely have faith that Brock Purdy can do everything Jimmy G did. Well, that was what I was kind of thinking. I was like, okay, can Brock Purdy be a Jimmy G? And then they started burning the Dolphins on like passes to McCaffrey and getting crazy with their offense. And I was like, oh, yeah, I think he can. Yeah, I but who knows it who knows if he's got like the the stone I, I don't know. That's what I always wonder about rookie quarterbacks is if is if they have like the mental long longitude to like go as far as playing like six NFL weeks in a row and trying to, you know, get into rhythm like that. That's what I always wonder. Breaking breaking news on that subject. Oh. The Rams have claimed Baker Mayfield. Look at that because the money isn't real for the Rams, and that is actually just an object. Looking forward to watching yeah, Baker Rams games just got a lot more interesting. Yeah, yeah, they might keep that Rams game that that's uh, or no, they flexed it already. That was the Chiefs Rams that they flexed. They're gonna be on Thursday night football this week, though, against the Raiders. I doubt he starts in fast enough. I mean, maybe I guess you know what? No, that's two days. Yeah, no, there's no way. Fast. But sorry, sorry. Going back to nah. Brock Purdy quickly. I just, like you said, with the mindset, I just think when they threw him in that game, he didn't even have time to think about where he was. So he yeah. kind of just like was going off muscle memory and was just playing football. It's going to be, I. he deserves the start this week. I think he's earned yeah. that respect. That, that I mean, I don't enough, know what's yeah. going to happen, but I think he's earned the right to get the start. And that's where he's going to answer a lot of questions. Like, how do you do with a week to prepare? There's a lot more pressure on you. You're going to have to actually talk to the media. You're going to have to do a lot of stuff that you didn't have to do as a third string quarterback. Yeah. So I don't know, but I'm, I'm team Brock Purdy. I think the 49ers can still, that defense is so good where they just, they might not skip a beat. And that offense is good enough with Brock Purdy. I just, yeah, no, it's certainly something to look at. They're a good enough team that it could work, but that brings us to our final game of the recap, which is Bengals 27, Chiefs 24, and we mentioned it beforehand, but now Joe Burrow and the Bengals are the only team to beat Patrick Mahomes three times. Talking quarterbacks, the only other people to do that is Tom Brady, who's 3-3 three and three against Mahomes. So this Bengals team just seems to kind of own this Chiefs team which is crazy to say. And the Bengals are now on a trajectory where they've been heating up the past few weeks and are now just absolutely hitting their stride. Yeah, that was a huge win for the Bengals. That was, I, I don't want to say Joe Burrow owns Patrick Mahomes, but he definitely has no, his number. No, there's no. definitely something. Yeah. There's definitely some mental aspect there where Joe Burrow kind of 
has definitely has an edge on him. Like that is yeah. for, that is for sure. And because you know, one can be a fluke. Two, you're like okay, and then three, three is a no doubter. You have you got something, you got something going there. on. Yeah, but I think the this huge takeaway from this is that that Travis Kelsey fumble. That was really where the game game took a, a turn because it seemed. I mean, the first half first half was it was a battle. Uh, the since he was up, which is uh, what you kind of expected to yeah, see. 14, yeah, fourteen ten at half. Yeah, and then when the second the Chiefs came out in the second half and it looked like they were about to take over the game. Yeah, uh, absolutely. They were that, driving that classic and go up. Second yeah. half Chiefs come back and punch you in the mouth after coming in the locker room. Yeah, they were driving to go up two scores. Kelsey at midfield and fumbles. Yeah, and, and then the Bengals go get the ball there. Go down, get what would end up being the game-winning touchdown, and then uh, Butker misses a fifty-five yarder with three minutes left to tie the game. It was everybody points to, including me, Joey B. After these games, but this Bengals defense, man, like it, they're they're no joke anymore. They they are impossible to play in against in the second half, seemingly, and they're shutting down offenses like the Chiefs in the second half. And yeah, that big force fumble at Kelsey, they turned the game on a dime there. Kelsey wasn't even noticeable in the first half. No, no. For anybody who had him in fantasy staring at zeros for, you know, the first twenty five minutes of that game was yeah, not fun. It was I don't think the Chiefs were ready for that kind of physicality against the Bengals. I thought they were, I think that they thought it was going to be kind of a more of a shootout. Like it was going to all come down to the quarterbacks points. were going to be flying all on the board, but it was not that kind of game. I mean, the chiefs had to, it seemed like the chiefs had to work a lot harder than the Bengals did on offense. Yeah, definitely. And somebody on that, that Cincy offense, who's a newcomer, but Sam J P Ryan, man, he's fun to watch. He's a absolute bowling ball. And you're right. They totally, looked more physical than the Chiefs. They looked faster than the Chiefs with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins looking like a crazy like 1-1-A duo right now. Like how many teams would T. Higgins be a first receiver on in this league? 12? Like, I was going to say 10. So yeah, yeah. We're, we got, we're in the same, we're in the same boat. Yeah. So it's looking like a change of fortunes in, in the sense that this used to be the Mahomes game where he would use his weapons like that you know like he'd throw he'd get 100 yards from Tyree Kill he would get two touchdowns from Kelsey and it kind of looked like you know now Joey B's got some wep- got the weapons on offense and he's going to go down and win this game off the back of his defense yeah and you mentioned Pirine and like when Mixon comes back I just wonder if they just go 1A 1B like Dallas with Pollard and Z cuz I think Pirine has earned the right to to not be like a full on backup, you know, like yeah. he he deserves playing time in this offense. At the and very s- least, like third and ones, like when you need a heavy back going down the middle there, why not? Yeah, it's the Bengals are trending up. They're the hottest team in the NFL right now. I think. I mean, the 49ers are in the same boat as well. But I mean, we just talked about Jimmy G's out, so a lot of questions there. But no questions with the Bengals right now. Absolutely zero. Yeah, no, they they're. Their season's looking eerily similar to last season, which is a great thing for them. If yep. you, you know you're trying to go to the Super Bowl again, and it's all in front of them right now. Like they've gone through their adversity early in the season, they've steadily improved throughout the year, and they're on a trajectory where 
you know, it looks like AFC championship or bust right now for this Bengals team. Like it looks like nobody would want to play them in the playoffs. And if they did, it's going to be an absolute battle, not just on offense, but on defense too. Yeah, they, I mean, they're not, the Ravens are leading the AFC North right now based off the division records, but with Lamar going down from, for one to three weeks, two shifts passing in the night. Yeah. This is, this is the Bengals division to lose right now. And Mm huge, Huge one against the Browns this week coming up because the Browns have had Joey B's number yep. and it also just screams like it's a letdown spot for Cincy. I know it's a divisional game, but coming off a win against the Titans and then a win against the Chiefs, like you can't be higher as a team. And then you're playing the Browns who at five and seven, they don't really seem mm-hmm. as like a threat, but yeah, this is the game no, point. that really... Like, are they focused? Are do they is do they have the right mindset this year? Kind of thing, because the Browns have had the cheat, the Cincy's number. Yeah, it's a it's going to be an interesting one, especially with Deshaun Watson back. Quick side note: Browns looked awful, awful on Sunday. Not one offensive touchdown. One special yeah. teams, two de- two defensive. Who would have thought not playing quarterback in like two and a half years would make you look rusty? If we want to c- go on a complete side note with that. I don't understand why the Browns wouldn't have just let it ride with Brissett for the rest of the year. Take a lot of heat off Watson. Yes. Yes. And people say, Oh, his contract, he's only getting paid a million dollars this year. So it's, it's back end loaded. They knew he was going to be suspended. I just, I don't understand why the Browns Browns, need PR as well. Like, why don't you make it look like a self-imposed like it's a lot of people would have kind of put it past the NFL to do that. Yeah. I think the the NFL scheduled his suspension to end against the Texans on purpose, which is a layup. Yes, like they are as grimy as it comes. I know. And I just don't. Yes, the Browns could have taken a lot of heat off themselves and Deshaun Watson by playing Jacoby Brissett for the rest of the year. Absolutely, but they are. But the Browns are stupid. The Browns are scumbags. I don't. The yes. Browns are just a bad organization. Going back ru- to the to the Bengals. Sorry. Yeah, that was. Forget, forget. We even talked about the Browns. Where we we talked about this, like, or do you have anything else to say about this game? I was gonna go on no, like pretty a, much, pretty much. Go for it. We talked about this. I don't know, four episodes ago. We'll say, I'm gonna ask you the same two questions: Who are your top five right now, and who do you have as your MVP? Because I think things have changed since we last talked about this. Certainly, I think my MVP is now shifted to Jalen Hurts. It's his to lose, I think, in the sense that he's leading what looks like the one of the best teams in the NFL, and he hasn't really skipped a beat, and he had a 157-yard rushing game in between that segment. So I think I would put Jalen Hurts first for my MVP. Uh, and then for my top five teams, I'm still rocking in no order, going Chiefs, Cowboys, Eagles, Bills, and I am going to put the Bengals and I'm going to slide my own Dolphins out of that until they prove that they're a top five team again, I would say. Okay. And this is is a week-to-week league. That Bengals pick is a very hot take, but based on how they're playing right now, they're playing like a top five team in the NFL. Yeah, I don't... I I agree with everything you've said. Uh, I, I would have Jalen Hurts as my one, but if the Bengals keep winning games and win them the way that they are... Joe Burrow is going to be in the conversation. 
And I don't think Mahomes is completely out of the conversation just because he lost to Joe Burrow this week. My top five, I I really wanted to put the 49ers in there. And I would have with Jimmy G. I just I think don't right. think I, think I, I can too. right yeah. now because I don't know what, what the Brock Purdy experience entails yet. So I'm I have the same top five as you. I the Bengals, the Bengals move up, the Dolphins drop out, and the Vikings just haven't done enough to really convince me that they're going to be a Super Bowl contender when no. it's all said and done. No, the Cowboys and Eagles have had too many good wins in the past, let's say two, three weeks to be shifted out of that for the Vikings. The Vikings are dogs this weekend against the Lions. I think that's all. You should really need to know about that and why they're not in yeah, either that's of our a, top fives. It's an interesting line. Yeah. So it's something to look at going forward. I think that those five teams are certainly all trending upwards right now. And I th- I, I'm going to put the 49ers at six. And if they can win with Brock Purdy, they're jumping They're jumping right back. And they're going into my top five because I really like the defense. I, a defense is an easy way to win me over. Offense no, is flashy and, and it's all cute, but... Defense is what really gets it done in this league. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on those. We'll do uh, maybe in in another few episodes, we'll do a top five and see see where we stand at. Yeah. All right, we're back now with a little college football playoff brief. We gave you a little taste of college football last episode to get you ready for what was a huge championship weekend. And now we're here to kind of clean up the pieces. So it came out on Sunday, the selection committee has Georgia 1, Michigan 2, TCU 3, and OSU Ohio State 4 after what was a crazy weekend of kind of changing tides where we start with Utah 47, USC 24 in a game that all the eyes were on, not only for Caleb Williams, but for USC potentially securing a college football playoff spot. And USC just fell short under the lights pretty much. Yeah, and they came out of the gates really hot in that game. I was... I was very impressed with what I saw out of USC in the first quarter. And I, I thought to myself, I said, this this is probably a playoff team. Mm-hmm. And then I think tr- a lot of people did. Yeah, and then their true colors showed that they have maybe the worst defense in college football. You, they couldn't tackle. Impressively bad. Yeah, like, they couldn't tackle anyone. You and I could have probably broken a couple out there. It was There were a few tough. touchdown plays where... God, I I don't even want to look up his name to out him, but number seven on USC had a tough night. Like, I think he was a corner or a safety. And there were a few touchdowns where the camera was just zooming in on him, having the weakest limp noodle tackle going into the end zone, like multiple times. They, and that was their whole game on defense, pretty much. Yeah, it was. It's this team was eerily similar to Lincoln Riley's teams at Oklahoma with just all offense. No defense, and even the offense just where where'd they go in the second half? Yeah, they pitted out. Caleb Williams started looking hurt somewhere, like between I want to say the second and third do, quarter. Like, do we think he was putting on somewhat of an act? Genuine question. Well, that's what I I think I texted you. Oh no, they're gonna give Caleb Williams the pity Heisman, yeah, because he was hurt and making still making great plays. But yeah, it seemed a bit. Seemed a bit. I mean, dragged his, up, his but hand knows? was bleeding, I mean, but then yes. he just started kind of limping out of nowhere. The limp was what caught me off guard. I didn't know where the limp came from, and I think it was what. No, you know what? I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. 
Yeah, he was. Injured. We're not injury shamers yep. on this. I don't. Podcast. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know his injury. I wasn't in his body. So, regardless, not a game where you look at USC and you're like, "Oh, that was a college football playoff team that lost." Right? No, and they had their chance to redeem their one loss, which was to Utah in the last play of the game. Utah went for it. Went for two. Beat them 43-42. And you you can't lose in a rematch the way they did and expect to get into the playoffs. Perhaps like the cleanest resume rematch that maybe we've seen in the past few years, as in win this and show us that you learn from playing the exact same team before than you get in the college football playoff. And they didn't, and they don't deserve to be. It's as simple as that. Yeah, pe- and then people say, oh, like... Ohio State doesn't deserve to get in because they sat on their couch and they weren't playing a championship weekend. Well, that may be true. They weren't they weren't playing football, but USC just showed that they aren't even the best team in the Pac-12. Like Utah beat them twice. Like you can't lose the same team twice and lose the way they did in that second game and tell me that your resume is is better than what Ohio State has. Like that was their prove it game. Yeah. You you can just you could have erased your loss and would have been a threat in the playoffs. Maybe even could have jumped to three if you win that game. People and were high on USC. You get a good win that game, people are even higher and they're and they're throwing you in there almost. Yeah. But I don't know. Caleb Williams was too busy getting manicure and getting fuck Utah painted on his nails. It's it's you, pretty you crazy. can't do that. That's just no. free memeable material. You can't free be serving memes. up plates like that no it's too easy yeah and you look at a game that goes that way goes south and they lose and they're out of the playoffs on the flip side k-state 31 tcu 28 tcu gets that loss but still makes it into the college football playoffs because they lose in an overtime game in a close game to a you know number 10 opponent that's the type of loss that you needed if you were usc but I don't even think that would have saved USC. I think no matter how USC lost, they would have been out. Even if uh, they lost in the in the exact same fashion as the first game on like a t- game-winning two-point, I still think yeah. if you can't beat that team twice, you shouldn't be in. Going back to that Kansas State-TCU game, that was a great game. Yeah, I mean, that's all you can ask for out of a, out of a conference championship game, especially with a playoff, possible playoff berth on the line. There was some questionable play calling on TCU in overtime on their first drive because they started with the ball. So all the pressures on them. I mean, Max Duggan was just running through Kansas State's defense and you just you had two opportunities from the the half the half yard line and it's bizarre that they went You don't on run that. it with your quarterback. Yeah. Especially on the last play after you try it once with the running back and it doesn't work. You have a quarterback that they now have to respect the run on because he's just been torching you for the past quarter of football. And better to get caught on a bootleg there or something where you're trying to, to flank Duggan out than, than lose up the gut like that. Like going for it and with him, your supposed Heisman quarterback, you know what I mean? Like you have to show that you have faith in him there. Yeah, and on the fourth down one, it, it he was going so slow. Like, that play developed so slow yes. where you thought this has to be a play action. Exactly. And it wasn't, yeah. and he had no chance. Yeah. if you Like, the line of scrimmage moved back a yard and a half from the time he got the ball. 
to when he, he like he, he had no chance to get into the end zone there. I mean, I I think I might have kicked a field goal. I don't know if that's a crazy take. Not a lot of people have been talking about that, but it all your defense has to do is get a stop when Kansas State gets the ball. I mean, I know it's not the easiest when the other team's starting on your 25-yard line, but I mean, Kansas State first play could have just been a field goal to, to win the game. If they really wanted to do it, yeah. like they could have done it 42 yarder. It's, I don't know. I mean, it was a great game and TCU, I believe should have got in still. Definitely. I think, I think they got it right. They got it right. And I think that there's not much to complain about really for many sides here. I think that TCU winning as many games as they did in the fashion that they did. And then having a close loss here, that's as about as clean of a one loss resume as you can get to being a one loss team. So I think they got yeah. the, the call, right? It opens up a very interesting conversation now with the games that we had on Heisman, right? Before we previewed this weekend, we had Caleb Williams as the odds on favorite. He still remains the odds on favorite, but officially it's Georgia Stetson Bennett. USC's Caleb Williams, obviously, TCU's Max Duggan, and Ohio State's CJ Stroud were announced Monday as the Heisman Trophy finalists. And these four quarterbacks play for four of the top 10 teams this season, which is usually how it kind of shakes out. Three that are going to play in the college football playoff. And it's one of those races where I, I can't remember a time where we had this many players in the race playing this late. Yeah, this is a this is one of the worst Heisman races i've ever seen nobody nobody felt like going out there and and just taking it and going for the win that's i I think that's what makes the duggan decision on fourth even worse because he had such a a heisman game like he was a warrior he was gating every yard yes if he sneaks that in that's a home run and like especially and then they win the game off that touchdown win the championship come on you'd have to give it to him especially with an undefeated season and storylines I mean, just he take put over the team there. on yeah. his back to win the Big 12. Caleb Williams just that was a terrible game. I don't I mean it started off so well and then it just ended up so badly for him. Well, that's why I think it's so interesting that he's still such a heavy favorite because like he's still minus 2500 even after they're eliminated after a loss to Utah. And I mean, he's got, he surpassed 4,000 passing yards. He had 37 touchdowns tied for most in the country. There's all the flashy stats that you want, but I feel like after watching those two games, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I, my real question is why is Stetson Bennett getting an invite to the Heisman trophy? This is the real question, right? Like was Hendon Hooker snubbed for this? Not only Hendon Hooker, but I I do think ah, Blake Corum maybe Michael Penix Jr. Yeah. Like there's 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 many names, and I know people are like, oh, was the Heisman turned into the Davy O'Brien Award? Nine times out of ten, your team is successful because of your quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry it's that way. I'm sorry it's that way. I, it's football. It's football. You go as far as your quarterback goes, and that's true in every case except for Stetson Bennett's case and he gets invited when it's kind of like you know there's guys like Jalen Carter running the defense and then you're just he's 25 years old Brock Bowers yeah he's gonna have the number one uh 
car dealership in Athens, Georgia, when he graduates. The number one, especially if they win the national championship this year, no one's going to buy a car anywhere else in Athens, Georgia. It's pretty insane. That's in Bennett. It's just funny how he flexes still and like goes so nuts. And it's like, dude, you're like dropping TD passes on like some unnamed school. Yeah. I was, I was saying, I'm like, the game must be so slow for him playing yeah. against 18 year old kids. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd hope you're putting up the stats, but hey, you know what? He wins games. He wins games, but unfortunately, wins and losses are not really. That's another uh, point I have about this. A lot of it is based off wins and losses, and I really don't think that's how it should be. Wins aren't our quarterback stat. Like that comes up in the Correct. NFL how many, in how many arguments, right, about quarterbacks that wins aren't a quarterback stat, and it seems to be so flipped in college football. Like Hendon Hooker, if you wanted to make that argument, was the best player in college football for the first you know two thirds of the season, essentially. Tennessee would have been nowhere without him. No. And I think that, you know, the Peach Bowl is now going to have two Heisman finalists in Bennett and Stroud. Stroud, I think, deserves to be there for sure. He's got the stats to do it. Ohio State was a good team. They were one loss team. And I think that in that game, like, it's not a question of who, which quarterback you would want in terms of a dynamic player who's going to do stuff. Like, Stetson is the ultimate system quarterback if there can be one in college football yeah and i guess i guess that's kind of why quorum didn't get invited because you might say he's a system running back right since he's been out you've seen donovan edwards just do everything quorum was doing and there's other running backs with better stats out there over the season than blake quorum shout out to canadian uh chase brown from illinois and then mohammed ibrahim probably had just as good, if not better, stats as a running back. So I, I just, no one really stood out this year. And I think if you had to say someone who did stand out and really took college football by storm, it was Hendon Hooker. Yeah, which it, is, it, 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 and somebody who didn't see it coming, I think that you can slightly make that argument for Max Duggan too because he won the QB spot at TCU. Yes. But other than that, it, it was Hendon. And I think that, I feel like Georgia is good enough. Like, why do you have to also give Stetson Bennett a Heisman nom? Like, it feels like like it, like it, they didn't have anybody else on the list and was like, oh, who's the number one team? Oh, let's just take Stetson. You know? It just feels, yeah. it feels lazy. And I think that's I, I what think most, you, fans, most fans are seeing through. I think I'd rather see Jalen Carter up there representing Georgia. I, it's... Nothing against Stetson Bennett. He should not be. He doesn't belong with those guys. Max Duggan has the the Cinderella effect of the Heisman. You know what I mean? No one really expects him to be there. So I think that raises his stock a lot. And we talked about the wins and losses, how that's not a quarterback stat. I guess that kind of bodes well for Caleb Williams yeah. in this argument. I guess that makes sense he, why he, he would does still be the favorite. have yeah. the best stats out of these guys. Definitely. And, and I think he'll I end mean, up winning it. I think that I don't see how day, he doesn't. Unfortunately, he's going to go yeah. home with this. But it's one of those. I don't know. It feels like one of those ones where, yeah, it's not a great race, but yeah, it feels like nobody wins when. <laughs> it feels like nobody's winning. No, and you know who's really not going to win? C.J. Stroud, and he's going to have to get up there and listen to Desmond Howard drop all these Michigan jokes again. It's like Desmond, you're a 45 year old man chirping a 20 year old kid. Where are your priorities? Dude, like, relax. I mean, you should be happy you get your wins. Don't take it out on this kid who's up there having, like, the biggest moment of his life on the Heisman stage. He's got to listen to you throw chirps at him. 
that's just so ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. You're supposed to be unbiased too in that position, and you're just yeah. It was outrageous what he was saying to him last year. Yeah, for so, for those who I want just to don't watch, want to repeat. Yeah, it's it's eight p.m. It's on Saturday night, New York City under the lights. Should be interesting to watch, and and we'll see. I think I want Max Duggan to win. Me too. I think I, I think people that. who want to see the the underdog win in this really, but we're not really sure if that's how it's going to pan out. I I swear they used to invite five. I don't know why I thought that, but I thought they used to invite five to them, to the Heisman Trophy. But I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. True. I, yeah. So I just didn't see how Hendon Hooker wasn't getting invited. Yeah. We'll keep an eye on that. And then this is just the start of a whole lot more of college football. We're going to be coming at you more and more uh, as we get closer to the playoff. Go, box. We're in. We're in. And finally, to wrap up, we're coming at you again with a new segment. This one's going to be called Late the Beam. Late the Beam. Late the Beam. And if you were listening last week, to put it simply, it's kind of the inverse of our giving them the business. This is to highlight somebody who's been killing it recently and has either had a good weekend, it could be a team, could be a player, but somebody who's really lighting the beam, essentially. And I'm going to lead off with Mitch Marner because like the beam, Mitch Marner, after setting a Leafs franchise record 19 game point streak, he breaks a record set by Sittler and Olchek. How are those for some names? And what we mentioned as being a low-key point streak on the podcast about seven games ago has morphed into being a full-on heater by Marner. He's got 25 points in those 19 games, eight goals, seven assists. The night he breaks it, he has a two-goal night, gets it out of the way early. And, you know, I've been hard on Mitch Marner. I think the city's been hard on Mitch Marner, mostly deservedly so when you make that much money. But you have to give him his flowers here. Yeah, it, it was... It was quiet for a while, and then it got really loud because I think Leafs, the Leafs media got a hold of it. That's kind of Pretty what much. escalated it to world news. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's nice to see for Miner. I'm sure he feels good about himself. Seems like the team's kind of rallying around that. You know, they're that empty netter one where like they're like kind of forcing the puck to him a bit to make sure he got it, which yeah. is like that's, that's kind of what you want out of a team. You, you do the same for your guy in in that position. Definitely. So, yeah, I mean, light the beam, Mitch Marner. It's, it's nice to see big one tonight against uh, the Dallas Stars, who Jason Robertson got a point streak of his own. Yeah. I think he's at 18 games, I believe. Yeah, who's going to break the point streak? We'll see. So, Marner's, at, sorry, I 19? Marner's 19 going for 20, and I think Robertson's 18 going 18 for 19. going for 19? Yeah. So, Pretty you love to see it. That's an hottest, exciting game. Yeah, two of the I hottest be, players in the league, two of the hottest teams in the league, Stars, Leafs, and yeah, it's going to be a great matchup. I might watch the Leafs tonight. Look at that. There you go. Yeah. And Marner's making everyone around him better. He's bringing Tavares back to life, so it's it's nice to see. And for my light the beam, I will be highlighting the Las Vegas Raiders. They have won four in a row after going one and one after being one and seven and they are they're sneaky not out of it i think this is a team that people have been disappointed in and they were not experiencing their full potential but i think with josh jacobs and Devonte adams they have been un untapped like they are unlocked and they are a different team than what they were for the first half of the season i have put a future on them at plus 700 to make the playoffs that's tasty yep. It is. And I mean, they have very much, they have winnable games going forward. 
and they just need to catch the Jets to get that last spot. Doesn't look like the Chargers want to win any games right now at 6-6. Six and six. Doesn't look like the Patriots are going to be a threat to make that last spot. So I think the Raiders jump those two teams, and I think they're they're in they're in the hunt, and I I can see them sneaking into that last spot. Cause like the Steelers probably won't be the team to do it at five and seven. The Browns at five and seven don't really seem like a threat, and I just like what I've seen out of the Raiders lately, and I think people need to kind of start focusing on them a little bit more. Yeah, I think that that's the emphasis too, right? Like they're a ton of fun to watch. I think any t- person who hasn't really sat down and watched a Raiders game should. Because going into the season, that's what everybody was pumped for, this offense. And now they're finally kind of hitting their stride and looking super dangerous. They just put up a ton of points. And they do it in like a fun way. You get to look at Raiders uniforms all game. It's great. Yeah, and it's, I mean, they're winning tight games unlike these other teams that are competing for that last spot, which makes me like more confident in them. And similar, I mean, obviously they're not the Bengals, but they're similar to the Bengals. They're just peaking at the right time i know it's they put themselves in a terrible spot being at one and seven but they're just winning games right now and they seem let's look like look at the games they have left on their schedule they play the rams this week on thursday night football so they should get to six and seven after that then they play the patriots which is a huge game can get to 500 after that kind of jump the patriots in the playoff race then they play the steelers which is another winnable game yeah then they're going to play a Brock Purdy-led 49ers. Yep. And then last week, maybe the Chiefs backups. So that's a, that something to keep an eye on. Five, four to five wins there. Yep. And if you get to... Man, I like imagine if they were in the NFC. Nine and eight gets you in. I think, no, I mean... Like if they were in the NFC, they oh. would be even more in the hunt. Like, you know what I mean? Like you got better than the Giants. Yeah, and, and like those teams the in the Falcons teams. and stuff, like totally... So yeah, that's that's my light the beam. I just people need to start paying attention to the Las Vegas Raiders right now. They're a good football team, and nobody wants to play them. There you go, Mitch Marner and the Las Vegas Raiders for our first light the beam. That'll do it for us today. Thanks everyone for listening and for the support. We always appreciate it, and we'll be back at you on Friday. See you later, Damian. Nice talking to you. Yep. See ya.